James Loder died about 20 years ago. Up until that time, he was a Princeton professor. In fact, he taught at the seminary. In tribute to him, his daughter Kim wrote that her father's heart was so tender that he was known at Princeton as the weeping professor. A family friend described James as a man who lived from one moment to the next, and what was for him a God-bathed, God-soaked, God-intoxicated world. That wasn't always the case. In fact, there was a time when God was at best an abstract idea, distant philosophical concept for Dr. Loder. But one day when Kim was a young girl, her mother and father drove past a woman changing a flat tire by the side of the road. He pulled to the shoulder to help her. And while he was lying under her car, another vehicle accidentally swerved to the shoulder and hit the disabled car. The car was shoved onto his chest. His right thumb was torn off at the joint. Five of his ribs were broken. His left lung was pierced and immediately began filling with blood. James' wife, who was barely five foot tall, placed her hands under the bumper of the car and prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she lifted the car off of his chest so that he could be dragged out. In fact, she broke a vertebrae in the process. In a state of shock, lungs filled with blood, James was dying. Doctors prepared him for emergency surgery. The EMTs brought his thumb to the ER, but the doctor said his his thumb won't do him any good if he's dead. His thumb won't do him any good if he's dead. Survival was iffy at best. But lying in the surgical room, before they could even place a blade to his skin, suddenly, spontaneously, James' skin changed from colorless to pink. Before they could even hook him up to oxygen, he experienced a miraculous healing, and he knew it. Nobody even needed to check. He was totally aware. And and James invited a surprised surgical team to join him in singing the song, Fairest Lord Jesus. Nobody knew it at the time, but he discovered later that his healing came at the precise moment that his father-in-law, a pastor, called his church to pray for him. You know, sometimes stories like this come from unverifiable sources, like the friend of a friend's third cousin, or they come from not very credible sources, like publications sold in grocery checkout lines. But James Loder was a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary, and his life was not only saved, it was radically changed. I call those mountaintop experiences. Hey, welcome to episode number 91 of the podcast, More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm your host. I'm a pastor, a lover of scripture, passionate about Christ, incredibly imperfect, but still radically changed by my relationship with Jesus. And at the very heart of my relationship with Jesus is the Word, the Bible, Scripture, the Word of God. Tuning the ears of my soul to hear the voice of Jesus has been one of the most impactful things that I do on any kind of regular basis. So I'm just inviting you to listen with me. And as you listen, learn, and lean into Mark chapter 9, we're gaining a glimpse of another mountaintop experience with Jesus. So listen as I read Mark 9, verses 1 through 21 from the New Living Translation. Here's what Mark says. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. His clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. And Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful 
wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say. (laughs) That's Peter. He said this because he didn't know what to say. For they were all terrified. Verse 7, then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. And maybe you remember back, these are my words, you remember back that that, that uh, John the Baptist was considered to be the Elijah who came first. Yet why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? Verse 13, but I tell you, Elijah has already come. They chose to abuse him, just as the scriptures predicted. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk, and whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into violent convulsions and he fell to the ground. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I pause there for a moment and just say this. This is so much the state of our hearts I mean, how often are we in this father's uh, shoes in his place? I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, I don't believe. We, we wrestle back and forth with this. He was, he was authentic and he was honest and he was humble in the moment. He said, I do believe, but God help those parts of my heart that don't believe. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, I think you could call that a mountaintop experience. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? A time when the presence of Jesus was so real and the voice of God was so vivid and the power of God was so awesome I've had a few of those experiences, not by any means daily, 
not even annually, but I've had some. Oftentimes, people refer to intense, vivid spiritual encounters as mountaintop experiences. This one starts in verse 1. I just want to describe the mountaintop experience a little bit. Jesus says, I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Now, listen to me. If he said that to them, then certainly, surely, in our day at this time, the kingdom of God has arrived in great power. Isn't that part of a mountaintop experience? Seeing kingdom power. I can't tell you how often I've prayed for that, how often I ask God to reveal his power. And I see it on occasion in isolated pockets, but what I long for is a community arrival of kingdom power that cannot be ignored. The kingdom of God arriving in great power here at Calvary, in our neighborhood, central Pennsylvania and beyond. Billy Graham once said that 80% of what is accomplished in our churches has absolutely nothing to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in too many churches, if the Holy Spirit were to leave tomorrow, many of us wouldn't even know the difference. But there is a difference. There is a difference when the kingdom of God arrives in power. Lives are changed. Addictions are broken. Marriages are restored. The poor are served. Their healings, kids become prayer warriors, rich people find their calling, neighborhoods are transformed. And, and man, we need this power more than we know. When it comes to changing the world, listen, we don't have an information problem. We don't have a vision problem or a strategy problem. We don't have a, a business plan problem. We have a power problem. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power. We need the power that comes from the Spirit of God. My heart resonates with something Crawford Loretz said. I heard him say this years ago. He said, I'm deeply burdened. I'm deeply concerned. I believe in academic excellence. I believe in being proficient. I believe in being as creative as possible. But we are dumbing down the ministry of the Spirit of God. We're leading with our competencies and our proficiencies, but we're not getting spiritual transformation. But life changes when God shows up. Another description, verse 2, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain. No one else was there. No one else was there. Wouldn't it be an amazing thought that Jesus might want to spend time alone with you? Have you ever used Google Earth? You can put in an address and your web browser goes from this outer space shot of the whole world panning down through the cosmos to a continent, to a nation, to a state, to a city, to a neighborhood, to your house. And on the one hand, we are so small in this vast universe. And on the other hand, we are caught in the eye of God. He sees you. Listen to me. Jesus doesn't have favorites, but he is more intimate with some than others. And that's not his choice. It's ours. So they went up on the mountain. And Mark tells us that as the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed His clothing became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly process could ever make it. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Teacher, this is wonderful, Peter exclaimed. We'll make three shrines. We'll build three churches, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he didn't really know what to say. (laughs) Don't you love this insight into the personality of Peter? Peter spoke up, obviously interrupting Moses and Elijah. In verse 5, it says that Peter spoke up because, verse 6, he didn't know what to say. (laughs) But you understand, they they are goosebump, knee-knocking scared. Jesus is shining this supernatural glow. He is 
changing, morphing right in front of them. Matthew says his face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. Luke says the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became glistening. Mark got the scoop from Peter and he said he was so white he could have been in a Tide commercial. No soap in the world could do that. And then Elijah and Moses, dead for hundreds of years, show up. These two leaders are legendary. And here they are having a conference with Jesus. I mean, this whole thing is so stinking supernatural, so God-awful that that all three of them are just scared. And when Peter gets scared, he talks. Luke says they saw his glory. They saw the glory of God and they didn't want to leave. It's good for us to be here. Why? Because that's also part of a mountaintop experience, experiencing the awesome presence, the glory of God. There's a connection between glory and God's presence and worship. It's like it makes you want more. And you need to know it's not because of the music or the people or Sunday morning preaching sermon series. When something turns your heart to God, when something fills your heart with glory, it's his spirit breathing life into you. And then finally, I love this description of a mountaintop experience. Verse 7, a cloud came over them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly they looked around and Moses and Elijah were gone and only Jesus was with them. And as they descended the mountainside, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until he, the son of man, had risen from the dead. See, it wasn't just being with Jesus. That mountaintop experience included hearing God's voice. And aren't there times when you wish that you could hear God's voice? Times when you're confused or scared or just lonely. Times when you doubt if it's all real or just a feel-good fairy tale. A number of my mountaintop experiences have been experiences of hearing God's voice. A handful of times in my life where I could say, God said to me, and I quote, (laughs) Uh, The most recent of that happened during uh, my COVID sickness back in March of 2020, when I I know that I know that God said to me, Dan, you need to surrender control. And then he said, Dan, you need to surrender the crowds. And then he said, Dan, you need to surrender your voice. In, In this case, a cloud descended upon the mountain covering them, and God took the initiative to speak. And when he spoke, don't you suppose he said the most important thing that was on his mind? (laughs) And what did he say? He said, guys, the most important thing for you to know that I want to tell you, so listen up. This is my son. I love him, and you should listen to him. We take so much time trying to figure out our purpose in life. We go to seminars and conferences. We read books and talk to consultants. If we could just get those three things straight, let those words from God shape our hearts, our minds, and our living. This is my son. I love him, and you should listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, it was all over. The cloud was gone. The voice was gone. Moses and Elijah gone. Jesus still there, but the glow was gone. But I don't suppose they ever forgot. I mean, don't you think that moment shaped their hearts and their thoughts, captured their dreams and their imaginations? It was a mountaintop experience. And listen to me, we need those mountaintop experiences, alone with Jesus, filled with awe in the presence of Jesus, hearing the voice of God. We need the power of the kingdom before we go into the valley. In the valley, when they came down from the mountaintop, there were broken people who needed the power of the Spirit. They need Jesus in us. They need love and prayer and the voice of God to bring hope into their hearts. But on the mountaintop, we gain power for the valley. We need both. 
throughout the history of the church, there have been mountaintop moments for the church corporately. We've often called those moments revival. I love the simplicity of Richard Roberts' definition of revival. He said, revival is God in the midst of his people. Duncan Campbell described the Wells Revival as leading to a community saturated with God. He said, when the presence of God is an inescapable fact, then we are in revival. No wonder David Bryant says, in a sense, every revival is an arrival. It's Christ showing up in an extraordinarily powerful new way to significantly overthrow the status quo and establish the claims of his kingdom afresh. And don't we need that? See, the valley is where we leave a mark on the world around us. And I, I want to leave a mark. I want to make a difference. I can't tell you how much my heart longs for the church to leave a gospel mark on our communities, our schools, the marketplace. How much I long for us to be Jesus to the world around us. But listen, we need the mountaintop experiences. We need moments where our knees shake in awe of the power of God. We need moments without the noise of those in need where we can hear Again, the still, small voice of God. We desperately need a fresh vision of Jesus in all his glory. And I think in this episode of this podcast, Jesus just wanted me to make sure that we all know that he's inviting us up to the mountaintop. It's not reserved for the Peters, James, and Johns of the world. He's reaching his hand down for you. He's inviting you to come up. This invitation is nothing other than an invitation to climb into the sum total of the goodness of God. It's an invitation to listen, an invitation to be in awe of Jesus. So let me close by reading just the first part of that mountaintop experience, and then I want to pray for you. I'll read Mark 9, verses 1 through 9 in the message version. Here's what it says. Then Jesus drove it home by saying, This isn't pie in the sky, by and by. Some of you who are standing here are going to see it happen, see the kingdom of God arrive in full force. Six days later, three of them did see it. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out, right before their eyes. His clothes shimmered, glistening white, whiter than any bleach could make them. Elijah, along with Moses, came into view in deep conversation with Jesus. Peter interrupted, Rabbi, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing. Just then a light radiant cloud enveloped them, and from deep in the cloud a voice, this is my son, marked by my love. Listen to him. The next minute, the disciples were looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus, only Jesus. Coming down from the mountain, Jesus swore them to secrecy. Don't tell a soul what you saw. After the Son of Man rises from the dead, you're free to talk. They puzzled over that, wondering what on earth rising from the dead meant. (laughs) Jesus, I I pray for each and every person listening, even though there are things that puzzle us. I, I pray that you would you would take us up on the mountain. I pray that you would cause our hearts to hunger for moments alone with you. I, I pray that you would reveal to us your glory, your power, that we would see your power work. Oh, Jesus, would you give us mountaintop experiences, times of hearing the still, small voice of God. Would you clear out the distractions? 
What would you awaken our minds to the hunger of our hearts? And on the mountaintop, would you prepare us to make a difference in the valley? We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.